time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Yo! Everybody! How are we doing, Desperation? Are you feeling good? Do you love Jesus? That's good news because he is massively in love with you. Hey, listen, uh, I want to dive right into today. I am so pumped about what God is already doing. Are you thrilled about the work of God in you already over the course this weekend? Oh, that's pathetic. Yes, I'm happy. Jesus. Are you happy about what God is doing? Are you excited about his work in you and your generation? This is not, this is not small town, little things we're talking about. This is the kingdom of God. This is a big deal, everybody. I'm so excited about what he's already been doing and what he has planned for us. So I just want to say hey to everybody, uh, all my high school friends out there. High school friends, you out there hanging? Everybody, okay. There you are. College folks, are you here? Okay. Junior high folks, are you here? Good, all the boys said yes anyway. How about, how about, how about all, uh, all the old people, are you here? Now, now don't hurt yourself, all right? <laughs> Settle down, okay. Uh, man, we got a lot to cover here in a little time, and so I want to get right to what God is doing already and continue on. You know what? Uh... I guess before I just dive in, let me just say, uh, I'm just, I'm thrilled about what God's doing in my own life, man. Uh, you know, I, I had the privilege of being youth pastor here for 10 years, and now some of you may or may not know that uh, I'm with my brother Ross Parsley, we're planning a church called One Chapel in Austin, Texas, and any Texans in the house? It's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that pride, that pride that y'all carry. Uh, it's weird to think of you all as my friends now. It's just so wonderful. But we're down in that really weird, strange place called Austin, Texas. And uh, it's fantastic. We love what God is doing there. And so um, I want to give a massive shout out, because it just would be inappropriate not to, to all of my DSM friends that are here from the Springs all over. Yeah, I are. So proud of you and all that God is doing in you and through you. So now I'm in Austin, Texas, and I'm doing all the same stuff I used to do here. I'm doing uh, student ministry, and I'm connecting with youth pastors. I'm traveling and speaking. We're starting internships. We're doing all the stuff, praying that more of the kingdom of God will come to that really cool and really weird place called Austin, Texas, just like he's doing here in Colorado Springs and in your city and your church and your, your youth group. Isn't it great what he's doing all over the world? All right, we've got a little more work to do. That's okay. That's what we're all here for. But it's so fantastic to be a part of it, and I'm so glad that you're a part of it, and I want you to know something. We believe in you. We believe in you. 
and what you're going to do in your generation to see the kingdom of God advance on the earth. So here we go. Um, let's dive in. Let's pray over it. Jesus, we love you. Pray that you'd fill us now. Fill me. Fill my friends. God, have your will and way in this place. You're here. You're big. And I sure need you. And they need you. So speak through, uh, through me and speak to them. Thank you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever really missed it? Have you ever just really missed something somewhere along the way in a project or something that you're doing and it just set you way off track? Like think about, think about in school, those times when you get called up to the whiteboard. Do you still ever have to do that? Do you still have to go up to the whiteboard? And it, I mean, it's, it's the most horrendous experience imaginable, isn't it? Because you got to, the teacher calls you, say, in algebra or math class, hey, come on up, hey, Brent, come on up and do it. And you're like, oh, because you know you didn't do the homework, and you don't have a clue what she's talking about, because you were looking at the girl over sitting next to you being all like, the whole class time, and she's, and she's looking at you like, and then suddenly he's like, Mr. Parsley, would you like to come up? And you're like, no. But you got to come up anyway, and so you come up to the whiteboard, and it's just this insecure moment because, frankly, it's not necessarily your best side. I got what I got. And you got to stand there in front of the class, and you're working this problem, this algebraic equation over the whiteboard, and, and you missed one thing right here. You missed this little X right up here. And so because you missed that, you spent five or ten minutes going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And you get down here ten minutes later through all this insecurity and fear and doubt, only to have the teacher say, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Knowing all the time that you screwed it up right here. Have you ever had that happen to you? It's the worst. Or maybe you've gone on a road trip. Some of you are in college. Maybe you've gone on a road trip and, you know, you're having a good time. It's you and the buddies. It's spring break and you're cruising around the nation having a great time. But in the middle of the night, you had Bill take over the wheel. And Bill could not navigate himself out of a paper bag. So Bill's driving, and Bill's just rocking out to 80s tunes. Yeah! He's all night long while you're trying to sleep. And Bill is in the middle of Kansas. <laughs> lovely land. Lovely. Just lovely. Um... Bill's in the middle of Kansas somewhere, just rocking out, living on a prayer. And he's cruising through, and, and he misses the exit. And so you wake up at, you know, 6 a.m., he's been driving for five hours, and you're like, oh, dude, how we do? And he's like, well, we just crossed the Canadian border. Bro, we're, we're going to California. And Bill says, well, that's bad news. Because he missed one little point. 
and he's totally off track. I think that this simple little idea that I have to get across to you today is just like that. It's just that kind of an idea. It's one thing, one small, simple truth that if we don't get it, we're going to go way off course for our lives and for our generation. Do you know what that very simple truth is? Here you, here you go. You ready? It's big. It's theological. It's huge. It's massive. It's going to smack you right in your face. God loves you. God loves you, my friends. He is massively in love with you. And you think you know it, and you think you realize it, and you think you understand it. But I want you to know that over the course of your lifetime, you're going to have to develop a few different cores, core values, core ideas in your life. And you've got to let them be foundational in you. And if you don't get them, life's going to be really challenging. This is one of those ideas that has to settle and be fixed in your heart. You have to be firm and decided and unchanging in this one thing. No matter what life offers me, God is in love with me. And I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. You're saying, uh, yeah, I know that. I get it. I've heard it all before. I don't care. (laughs) I want to talk to you about it again. So go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 31. And this discussion here that's, that's uh, just a few verses above about God working in us and through us, I, I'm not going to take the time to break up through all that, but I want to go straight to 31 and read. What then, Romans 8, 31, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? No. Hardship? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. Awkward, but no. Danger? Sorry. Danger? No. (laughs) Keep going. Read the Bible. Read the Bible partially and shut up. Okay. Uh, Danger? No. Sword? No. As, As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, it's right there that everybody who's a charismaniatic, right there we go, which is me, by the way, right there we, we kind of go, ooh, yeah! We like to call that the angel punch. Mm. Some of you haven't grown up at the church, have no idea what that means, and frankly, that's okay. <laughs> and I'm not, by the way, I'm not really talking about an angel punching you in the stomach, just to clarify for any of you that... It's just, a, okay, good, fine. So we, we like to stop right there and say, we're more than conquerors. Yeah, that's right, I've got power. Mm. 
And we kind of stop and rejoice over that fact. Yes, we are. We are more than conquerors. And don't get me wrong, we are. But I want you to just go through, and, and let's add as much emphasis on the next half of the verse as it is on the first part. We are more than conquerors. And it says, through him who loved us. Through him who loved us. And I think it's interesting that here, it, it doesn't say, you would think that it might read something more like, of course, this is just our English translation, but, uh, you know, you think it, it might read, more than conquerors through him who loves us. I think it says loved us because it's referring to the moment. What he was talking about here just a little bit earlier, along with his son, won't he give us all things? It's referring to that moment, that decision, that selfless love that said, I'm going to send my son to die for you. That's that moment when he loved us selflessly. We were more than conquerors through him who came to die, selflessly gave all that he had for us. We're more than conquerors in this life through him who loved and continues to love us. For I am convinced, and this is where we have to settle today, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us. <clears throat> Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is his love that makes us more than conquerors. You want to be here in 10 years? You got to understand how much he loves you. You want to be here in 20? You got to make sure you understand how much he loves you. And you want to be here in 30, 40, 50? You got to make sure you understand how much he loves you. And by the way, I'm not just referring to I'm not just referring to uh, the, uh, the simple kind of easy nice this is a radical, incredible, massive love that he has for all of us. And I'm, well, let me just, I, I, let me move on, let me move on. I know that you, I know that you know it. I know that you've heard it. And all that power and all that, all that conquering, yes, it is in here. It's important, it's wonderful. But the context is not just the, the, the power that we have, the context is he loved you and he gave his son so that you could have the ability and never lose the ability because he just keeps loving you and he just keeps giving you that power. Nothing can separate you from the love that he has that gives you the power to conquer. This is a major core for you to settle, be decided, be fixed. Brent, you grew up in Sunday school. I saw the flannel graph presentations. I grew up on Bob the Tomato and Larry the Cucumber. Thank God for Christian vegetables. I know it. I know all about this. But does your life, let me ask you, does your life actually reflect that you know it? 
Because I'll, I'll listen to you tell me that. You can tell me that you know that God loves you, but frankly, I struggle to believe it sometimes when I see that when things go south in your life and you run away from God instead of running to Him, it means that you don't get it. When I watch you go, oh, I'm, just, I'm trying to earn His love, I'm trying to earn it by doing my list of little religious activities and prayer and, and worship and attendance at youth group and going to church. Check, 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 check. And if I just do these things, maybe God will really, really love me. You try to earn that love, it means that you don't fully get it. When you stand in the middle of a worship service and kind of it tells me you don't really get it. When you give yourself away to some boy or to some girl, it tells me that somewhere along the way you missed it. When you don't have the power to conquer and fight off temptation, last for the long haul, it tells me that somewhere along the way it never settled into you with a revelation by the power and spirit of God. You don't quite get it. And if you say, frankly, if you say, Brent, look, I'm fine. I grew up in Sunday school. I get this. That alone tells me you don't get it. Because I've been living this life really since I can remember. And I can tell you at 35 ripe years of age, I don't get it. I'm growing in it every day. Some of you today, you need to hear it and it needs to become some, a work of healing in you that will transform you. Others of you, you need to be humbled a little bit and realize, wow, I, I guess I've gone a little, little too far off the deep end thinking, oh, I understand all this. Now, take me to the deeper. It's good that you want to go deeper. Go deeper for the rest of your days, but make sure that you continually live here because, friends, there's nothing deeper than this. There's nothing deeper than God's massive love for you. It is the driving force. It is the core. The rest of your life, I think, is a response to this love that he's given to us. You don't love God first and foremost with heart and soul and strength. And you don't love your neighbor as yourself until first you can sense and feel and know God's love for you. Life is a response to his massive love for you. But we're really good at letting our experiences drive our theology instead of letting our theology drive our experiences. We're, we excel at it. Life goes bad, so God is bad. Life goes good, so God is good. That's not the way he meant for it to be. And don't get freaked out when I use the word theology. Oh, I, I'm, just, I'm just in eighth grade. I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, don't freak out about that. Uh, when I say theology, what I mean is your belief about God, what you know about God, your study of God. What I mean is you knowing him, you building that relationship with him. So don't freak out over that word. It's just that continual knowing and growing in him that I'm encouraging you in today. And as you continue to know him better, that's how you get to know who you are better. As you continue to get to dig into him, you begin to find out more and more and more about who you are and who he's created you to be. 
Oh, how much he loves you. It's a core idea, and it's got to be decided. It's got to be fixed. You've got to understand it won't change. But instead, it becomes like that weird word that, that you use over and over again. Have you ever done that? You use some weird word until it just becomes like it doesn't even make any sense. You, like the word slacks. I hate the word slacks. It's the worst word. Slacks. It's just slimy. Oh, that's a nice pair of slacks. It's disgusting. I don't want to put those on my body. Slacks. But when you keep saying it, slacks, 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 slacks. Hey, nice slacks. Oh, I love your slacks. Hey, those are some really sweet slacks. Dude, nice shoes. And your slacks. Suddenly the word is like, what are you talking? Do you, you know what I mean? You ever use the word over and over and over and over again? It just becomes nothing. It becomes meaningless. I think sometimes that's the way we treat God loves you. Dude, God loves you. Hey, man, God loves you. Hey, I want you to know God loves you. We got bumper stickers. Hey, God loves you. God loves you. Hey, a bottle of tomatoes, some vegetable somewhere told me God loves me. A big fat cucumber wants you to know God loves you. God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And it becomes just so commonplace. It should not be commonplace. You know what I think it's, we've reduced it to? I think we've reduced it to this idea, this sense. So when somebody says to you, hey, God loves you, kind of what we hear, we don't think this subconsciously, but I think what we hear is, hey, listen, some nebulous, enigmatic force in the universe somewhere has developed some strong feelings about somebody that maybe you could become someday. And that's about the weight that it carries in our hearts when somebody says, God loves you. My friends, this should not be. I think that we got to get to a place where, where when somebody says, hey, God loves you, it, it makes you tremble. It causes your heart to explode. You, someone walks by and says, dude, I, you got to know, God loves you. This is the kind of thing we got to get back to. In fact, you know what you should do for the rest of the conference? You should just do, oh, your youth pastor is going to hate me for this. You, you should just do it to remind yourself, dude, God loves you. It should carry that much force and weight, that much power to it. So when you walk, imagine the, uh, imagine the ramifications, walking down the hallway at school. Dude, God loves you. By the way, I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> but I, I think that it needs to, we, we've got to return to that. In fact, just try it. Practice it. Make it a part of our youth group culture for a little while until your youth pastor calls and yells at me and your parents are mad. But just, just try it. Try it because you know what happens? Then you start to remember and think. It's something to cause you to go, yeah, 
I need to stop and think about this for a second. God loves you. It should carry a force because it's so deep and so rich and so true. But the problem is, is that we've lost the definitions of it. We've lost the definition of what it means for God to be in love with you because it's become too common, too overused by some vegetables and flannel on a board. We've not stopped to meditate and to focus and to think and live life according to a core value that says, God of all loves me. If I could title this talk, which I don't often title my talks, I would probably call it God Loves You Redefined. Because it needs a redefinition for all of us today. I mean, think about, think about the person of God. Think about, think about who he is. Think about how we have defined him in our culture. Because we've defined him all kinds of crazy different ways, haven't we? Man, we got all kinds of stuff that we've imagined about who God is, and you have a conversation with any friend at school about who or what God is, and you're going to come up with so many crazy and weird things. We've intentionally slapped our own labels and definitions on him in our culture. We've compared him to earthly fathers, and we've said, well, he's, he's, he's just like my own earthly father, and I don't have a great relationship with him. So that's the way God must be, because father, father. That's not, that's not fair. That's not true. That's not right. You can't take some experience or some human and say, well, that must be how God who created everything is. And yet we do it, don't we? How foolish can we be? We slap other titles on him. He becomes the, the great gift giver. He becomes the one that's like our, kind of our Christian jackpot. We put in our little prayers and we pull the levers down. And we say, God, give me a girlfriend. Come on, girlfriend, 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 girlfriend. Not cute enough. Give me another one. All right, all right fine. Here. Uh, give me a boyfriend. <laughs> okay. Too puny. There we go. We're even. Or he becomes the... He becomes the, the ultimate, uh, the, kind of the, the emergency operator. Oh man, things just went bad. Somebody call God. Oh Lord, I need some help. Or he becomes the, your, your backup plan to your ultimate plan A, which is oh so good. I'm in control. I got everything figured out. Everything's down. Everything's right. Comes your backup plan. He's your plan B. We've intentionally slapped these things on. We've often unintentionally slapped labels and ideas on who he is. He's the, the we, we took the Sunday school pictures of the blue-eyed and flowing hair Jesus. You know, the one with the white robe and the blue sash. Slightly resembles Miss America. I don't know why. And we've said, oh, that's God. No, not even close. The, uh, or the distant Jesus, distant God out there in the world watching somewhere in this universe. The, or the angry Jesus, the angry God who, who watches from a distance and just is waiting to pound us the second we do something wrong. 
Again, letting our experiences dictate who he is. This is not the God that I'm talking to you about today. That's not him. We've kind of made him like our cosmic Mr. Potato Head. Am I going to go to hell for that? I don't think you can say he's the cosmic Mr. Potato Head. Oh, I'll, I'll pray right after this. Um, wait. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, now I'm getting dangerously close. Um, you know, he, he, uh, he, have you seen Toy Story? It's like when he says, when he says, he, it's like Mr. Potato Head in the first one. Oh, watch out! I'm pulling out my angry eyes. Ah, that guy. And then, so we made God our, this cosmic Mr. Potato Head that takes off these eyes and puts on the angry eyes. And thank God occasionally he puts on the compassionate eyes. And he just changes and changes and changes and changes. That's not the God I'm talking about, friends. The God I'm talking about is the one true God. He is God. He is the one. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where the Bible says, In the beginning... God. Before anything was, before anything was created, before anything was out there, before anything was thought of, in the beginning, God. The only one, the only person, the only thing that's never been created. He just was. He is. This is a big God that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the God that we create, that, that we get to change uh, depending on our, our circumstances of life. Where you go to a session like this, you say, yeah, I love God so much, love God so much, love God so much. Oh, Jesus, he's so wonderful. I just love you so much. He's so good. And then you get a bit of bad news, and so your girlfriend breaks up with you in the parking lot. So suddenly you move from, oh, I love Jesus so much, to, oh, why is Jesus so cruel to me? In the span of about five minutes, oh, he loves me and he's great when I feel good. Oh, he's so cruel and I'm so angry and I'm so lost in my faith when things go bad. You missed it. Things are going to go bad. And God in his sovereignty is going to do things in time, from time to time that you will not understand. But if you settled the core in your heart that God loves you, this great, big, massive, wonderful God is in love with you, it means you won't run out when things go bad. It means you'll run in and say, God, I don't understand. I could never figure it out why people just run away. Oh man, things went bad. I'm just, I gotta get out of here. I'm so angry with God. I'm getting out. Man, that's so foolish. Every time in my life, this has saved me from the time I was a little kid and went through my parents' divorce and deaths that I've suffered through and all kinds of things that have happened in my life. This is the thing that saved me. This is the reason why I'm still here and going strong. This is the reason why I'm going to die in this same place. Why well, I'm going to die with this core conviction that God loves me. I settled it. I don't always understand it, but I know he loves me. It is at my core, the way that I live my life. And if you want to last, you can develop it too. He is big. He is grand. He's massive. I think you're going to hear more about that over the course of the weekend. 
So we've got to redefine the one true God and who he really is. We have to do the same thing with love. Because <laughs> love is a whole train wreck, my friends. Oh, my goodness. we got a problem when it comes to love. Because we've just seen it modeled so poorly over the course of our lives. Culture's not doing a great job. Some of our parents aren't doing a great job. Some of the people that you follow and try to look up to, they're not doing a great job. Nowhere is it really modeled really, really great for you, at least on the broad term. So we, we continue to try to get a handle on it, grasp That's why there's so many songs, so many poems, so many books, so many paintings, so much music and movies and all this stuff because everybody's just trying to figure out what this love thing's all about. And we use it so flippantly. Oh, you guys, I love Jesus so much. I love Jesus. And you know what else I love? Snow cones. Yep, I love Jesus and I love snow cones. And you know what else I love? Hot dogs. Amazing. And you know what else I love? Justin Bieber. snow cones and puppy dogs and rainbows and Justin Bieber and I used to love Miley Cyrus except now she's all like untamed and weird and I don't like that so much. I loved her when she was Hannah Montana but now that she's untamed I'm kind of scared. <laughs> we use it so flippantly all over the map with what love really is. And I'm sorry that it's not been defined for you. I'm sorry that we've left you with the impression that love doesn't last because divorce is so rampant. I'm sorry that you have the impression that love is something that you fall out of and fall into. Oh, I've fallen into love. It's ridiculous. It's like saying... Dude, I just stepped into like a steaming pile of love. It's all over my shoe, dude. It's nasty. It's ridiculous. This is not love. You want to know what love is? Let's, you've read it before, but since we're redefining, let's make sure. Go to 1 Corinthians. Let's just do it. 1 Corinthians 13. Let's find out what the Bible says that love really, truly, genuinely is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Ooh, this is fun for me. I love this. 1 Corinthians 13. Let's just start right in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. This is what love is, my friends. This is love. And a classic preacher trick is to remind you that God himself, he is love. 
God is love, so you can do the trick where you switch it out and you say, all right, if God is love, then let's read it again from that perspective. God is patient. God is kind. God doesn't envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil. He rejoices with the truth. God always protects. God always trusts. God always hopes. God always perseveres. God never fails. How can I be a conqueror? How can I last? You can do it because God loves you and God doesn't fail. That's how. If you just stay with him, we have to have it redefined. So simply put, love is sacrifice. It is humility. Love is service to one another. And love does not just happen, friends, regardless of what, you, what you've been taught or what you've been shown. It doesn't happen. Love is a choice. Love is a decision that is made. And this is what God has done for you. Not the God that you've made up. The God that truly is the one and only who can't be defined by you who regardless of what you think about him is not going to change according to your defining or your definition. He just is. He won't be redefined by your words. He already is. He is the one that lives this kind of a life for you, and he doesn't fail. I think the best definition of love is living for the good of someone else with no thought as to what you'll get in return. Living for the good of somebody else with no thought as to what you'll get in return. And do you realize that the God that I've tried ridiculously, small amounts I've tried to define him and help just get your mind to expand, this God is the one who loves you in this way. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. God gave you everything that he had in his son Jesus. He decided to lay everything down for your good. That's what he's already done, what he's still doing today, and what he's going to continue to do for all of eternity. You want to try to convince me that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't love me? You can't do it. You know why? Because I know that he sent his son to die for me. He gave everything that he had for me. He selflessly gave his all. Great big God gave everything for tiny little me. This is what it means to understand that God loves you. And it's important for you to remember. 1 John 4, 8. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. Everyone that How's it go? And now I got the song going through my head. Beloved, let us love one another. Do you know that song? Anybody? Salty? No? Okay, never mind. The point is that it ends with God is love. Love isn't something that God does for you, and he's going to fall out one day. Love is something that God is for you. He doesn't choose it. He is it. It won't change for you. Now, at this point, back up just a little bit and think, okay, so this massive, great, big, in the beginning, God 
God of everything. Not the God that I think in my own mind, but the God who is King of kings, Lord of lords, highly exalted, creator, ruler, master of everything. The one who spans the universe in the palm of his hand. The one who's created everything, holds it all together. This God is the one who selflessly gave everything that he had for me. And he did choose, he did decide it, but he is it for me. He selflessly gave all for me. Now let's redefine really quickly and lastly, you. Because this is the part that we're all pretty good at. You. (laughs) This is the part where we think the most about. Because we tend to be pretty important to ourselves. And I'm not talking about the you that you think of or that you hope you would be one day. I'm not talking about the Facebook you that you try to present to the world. I hate those pictures. Click! I wish people would just be really honest with their Facebook pictures and just take, when you get up in the morning, you just look like crud and you got drool and bedhead and pillow face creases on your... I wish, I wish people would just be honest instead of, look how cute I am all the time. Click. Ridiculous. Guess what? I've been to retreats with you. I know what you look like in the morning. You come all to breakfast with your hair all erect. It's like the living dead walking around out here. I know that you don't even listen to half the bands that you list on your profiles. I love them and I love them and I love them and it's because my friend told me I should. I'm not talking about the friend that you wish, the, the person that you wish you could be. When I say you, let's redefine it. I'm talking about you. You sitting here, nothing phony. Everything that you carry with you right now, your past and every sinful mistake you've ever made, your present and all the issues and questions and stuff of life that you're struggling with right now. You're, you're wondering about faith and you're wondering about God and this, the, the bad decisions that you've made. I'm talking about you in the future, the one who has yet to determine how the course of your life is gonna go as you pursue God. You with your past, present, and future. This is the you that God loves. Not the one that has to clean up or be ready or be right before he'll come and really give you all of this. My friends, you already have this just where you sit right now. Because Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were a sinful, nasty mess, he died in the hopes that one day we would turn to him and give him our all after he gave us his all. Your body, your spirit, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your hopes, your dreams for the future, your secrets, your talents, your likes, your dislikes, everything, you, as you are, with your butt in this seat, right here, right now, This massive God selflessly gave everything he had for you right now before you change one thing about you. God loves you. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life. 